still working. Well, I'm glad that uh, I tell people I'm always glad when somebody sticks around and hears the second message. It's always a good thing, you know. Uh, we're going to take our Bibles this uh, rest of this day, and let's take and go to Psalms chapter 19, 119. Now, I know we not too long ago we did a series to where we looked at all of Psalms chapter 119, primarily to look at the alphabet and to understand a little bit more about what was beneath each part. But we're going to go down to verse 9. We're going to read the uh, second part, uh, which we saw last time as the letter Beth. And I want to take, uh, from there we're going to go over to the book of Ecclesiastes. But let's begin by Psalms chapter 119. Let's go down to verse 9. And notice what it says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his ways? By taking heed whereunto thy, according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee, or let me not wander from thy commandments. So let's stop there and look at that verse again. Verse 10. With my whole heart I have sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Blessed are thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. With my lips have I declared all the judgments on my mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in the statutes. I will not forget thy word. Now, if you will, let's go over to the book of Ecclesiastes. <clears throat> and in the book of Ecclesiastes, we're going to go to chapter 3. And I know we've read this many times before, but let's read verses 1 through 10. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. A time to be born, and a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up that which is planted. A time to kill, and a time to heal, a time to break down, and a time to build up. A time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to get, and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to rend and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time of peace. What profit hath he that worketh in that wherein he is he laboreth? I have seen the travail which God hath given to the sons of men and to be exercised in it. These two seemingly different passages of Scripture are somewhat tied together. In reality, the thing that we need to understand is the importance of spending time with God. In fact, the title that I have, Take Time to Follow God, that's the title that I've put to this message, Take Time to Follow God. Whenever I think about this, I, I was really blessed in that I got to go to two different services this week, uh, and I took time to go. You know, it, they, neither one were convenient. I mean, I love coming home. I love getting my my chamber. I love to rest. I mean, we all do. Uh, many cases, I think we are homebodies, so we got plenty of work to do around the house. We always got time to get things done. 
But I was never so glad as I followed upon the invitation to go to the revival services that were over Salem Missionary Baptist Church, and I got to meet Brother Travis, who was the pastor of that church there. And I got to hear Brother Joe Collins. And, and you know, Brother Joe's a good preacher. He, he, he has a very keen way of delivering the Word of God, and I appreciate that. But the one thing that he distributed that I thought was so important was uh, the statement that he made concerning privily. We're going to get into that in just a moment. Because many times we allow things to creep into our lives that shouldn't be there. And I want to be careful because, and, and I took it to heart what he said, many things that I say from this pulpit may lead, especially our young people, to consider what others have written or what others may say. I really believe that, that the... The strange attack on the King James Bible has become because of the pulpits that we have. Think about this for a moment. Many times I've heard people say, it would be better translated. It would be, you know, we understand it as this, or we do this. And we make corrections like we have in our feeble minds the ability to change God's word at will. And by us issuing that in, what we've done is we've opened up the door not only for others to criticize the Word of God, but also to seek out others that other places where they say, well, this is just as good. Reality is, is that the more I study the Word of God, the more I realize... Think about this for a moment. How much of God's Word do we really know? I mean, there's many topical areas that I enjoy. I enjoy eschatology. I enjoy soteriology. I enjoy pneumatology. I enjoy all the other ologies that might come into mind that are pertaining to Scripture. But many times, the things that I enjoy are not necessarily what the church needs. In fact, I've had one person say, I don't like, being, I don't like the fact that my pastor is in a rut. And I don't want to ever preach the Word of God such that I feel like that I'm just repeating the same thing over and over and over again. By the way, you know what a rut is. A rut is the grave where both ends have been kicked out. Basically, we just stay in one particular area, and we never really grow from that point. For me to have a heart after this church, you know, to know what this church needs... I really need to spend time to follow after God and to be sensitive to His leading. If God tells me through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the Word that He gives us, to stop teaching a particular area, I need to stop. Do you realize that God told John, what we call John the Revelator, St. John, he, God told him, stop recording, do not write this down in the book. And he was sensitive enough not to record anymore. Daniel, in chapter 12, he was told, to read the, the essence of other men of God. And the one that really amazes me is Elisha. How many of us can see God's forces around us all the time? How many of us can see the power of God and command the power of God just like that? Now, I'm not just saying that we have the abilities to tell God what to do. Don't ever mistake that. We do not have the ability to tell what God to do because he is not a puppet. He's not a marionette. He's not a genie. None of those things. He is God on the 
But the reality is, I need to be holy and spend time with him to help keep error from creeping in. Let's pray. Father, again, I want to thank you for your blessings, and I want to ask you now to help me to understand the things that you have written from your word. Lord, I wish that every sermon that I would ever preach would be a home run. And yet many times, Lord, I know that my own flesh gets in the way, my spirit, my tiredness, my inabilities, all of these things just stand in the way. And yet, Lord, if I was to know your presence as I should know it, then, Father, I would rejoice in every little aspect, whether it is observing the Lord's Supper, whether, Father, it is in eschatology and being amazed at the things we see. And sometimes, Lord, I think those things are written for my benefit more than they are written for the congregation, and yet, Blindly, I, I still teach it because I want them to know what I have learned as well. And so I pray, Father, that I might have the discerning wisdom when to not only teach, but when to hush. And when to be, you know, to allow my voice to be heard and when to keep quiet. And so now, Lord, I pray that you will help me to know how to take the proper time to follow after you. Now, Lord, I pray that in the time we have together, that the message that I would deliver to the congregation would be the words that you would have me speak. Nothing more, nothing less. And bless us in this afternoon, and may we follow you in all things. For it's in Christ we pray. Amen. There is an interesting passage, and again, we're going to turn over to to Second Peter chapter 2 as we begin today. And this was part of the message that Brother uh, Joe had preached this past uh, Thursday night uh, while we were at Salem. And in Second Peter chapter 2, he actually preached a message from chapter 2 and 3 uh, where he was talking about the uh, end times and how that we are allowing error to creep in. And I, and I thought about that for a moment. What role do I have? And I want to ask every one of us, what role do we have in allowing error to creep in? Are we really standing up for the things of God, or is it easier to compromise because we just don't want to have the attack? Well, look what it says in verse 1. And again, this is 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. But there were, even as there was false teachers among you, who privily, and I want you to underscore the word privily if it's not in your Bible already, and to privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that brought them, and bring them upon themselves swift destruction. Brother Joe brought something up that I had never considered before. And literally, the word privily means that we allow error to creep in beside us. It's an attached word. I looked it up in the Greek as well, and it means that it's something that's done in secret. It's something that uh, is known in secret but made publicly. But I want you to think about this for a moment. Many times from this pulpit, I might give credit to someone that is not a Baptist. I might sometimes stand in this pulpit, and I might say, I enjoy that individual. And yet, if I say those kind of things, then what I'm doing is I'm privately allowing the door to open up and follow along. Give me a case in point. 
there are certain preachers that I enjoy listening to. And I might take something from their message. But the moment that I endorse them from this pulpit, I allow the younger minds that are here, or yourself, to say, well, maybe I can listen to them. Well, what if that individual is preaching from the NIV? What if that preacher is preaching from the ESV? What if that preacher is preaching from the MIC, K-E-Y, M-O-U-S-E? In in regards, if that man is preaching anything but from the King James, I am giving an endorsement. Now, wait a minute. But where does that man stand on eschatology? Do I believe as he does when, when it comes to eschatology? Does he follow the Word of God? What about church truth? Is that... should have with God. Now, understand this. Let's go back, if you will, to Psalms chapter 119. And I ask you, and this was the verse that just stuck with me, and I want you to hear it again. In verse 11, it says, Thy word have I hid in mine heart. Now, can I honestly say that his word I hide in my heart? Now, what was kind of funny this past week, uh, I, on Friday night, I also got to hear Brother uh, John Lybrook as he preached the Word of God as well. And it got to a place to where he talked about, you know, when we're preaching the Word of God, that there are more people that they're following after the, uh, their, their, their iPhones and things like that. They're just staying all over their iPhones. They're watching videos. They're doing things like that. And he said, and the world behind me was, was Sister Step. And I just kind of turned around. She goes... I don't even have an iPhone. But the reality is is that we, we, we pick on minor things. You know, it's, and, and here's the thing. I, I used to hate cell phones. I used to hate them. But do you realize that more people use cell phones for their own Bible? <laughs> I, I wouldn't know what to do with that in any way. But the reality is, whether it is hard copy or soft copy, we should be listening to the things of God. Always. I know that I have made mention of different individuals from time to time, and I'm thinking, are they taken away from my concentration on the things of God? I have hid your word in my heart. Why? Why against thee? I'll tell you this, folks, and I want to, I want to ask you a question, and you think about it as well. Is everything written in the Bible for our good? Now think about that. Is everything written in the Bible for the Christian good? If that's the case, why do we dismiss so much of God's Word? We really dismiss it. And we oftentimes think, well, the grace of God is so powerful that it's all right if I dismiss that. While God's grace is powerful, I believe we will give an answer and I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. We don't think anything of living outside 
of Sunday morning, maybe Sunday evening, whenever we go to church, but in sandwiched in between is not the Lord's day, it's the Lord's few minutes. And I want us to get this. It doesn't matter what you and I think. What does the public at large see in us? Do they find us hypocrites or do they find us true? I, I went in and, I, I, you know, one of the restaurants I went into this week, I just thought I'd get a little bag to eat, and they serve alcohol. And I thought, you know, maybe I can have a little alcoholic beverage. I, I'll tell you this, this is a true story. I was down in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, or down the Smokies, maybe Pigeon Forge, whatever, and there's a red lobster down there. I love seafood. Man, I love shrimp. I love, you know, anything that's got to do with fried fish or anything like that. And they offered a, an alcoholic drink. I thought, who is going to know? Who is really going to know? Who is going to observe that I'm having an alcoholic drink? And I no sooner let that come into my mind than I looked down the way. I'm in Pigeon Forge. I am hundreds of miles, it seems like, from my home church and there was one of our youth and the rest of the youth group and they saw me and they waved at me and before I know it they no. could I have drunk it legally yes but I would have been a stumbling block to them a stumbling block to them and you know, the sad part is, I sometimes think that we are a stumbling block because we don't spend enough time around God's Word. Do you realize everywhere and every day we're around people that like to use God's name in vain? We have people that use curse words. We have television brings it in. Everything else is there. And yet, as we hear those things, how many of us are, are apt to say, God, help me not to be a partaker of it. And it seems like Satan knows that about us and he frustrates us in such a way that we're going to allow certain words to slip out of our lips. Whether we want them to or not, they still slip out of our lips. But there is a reason that I want God to take care of my mouth. I don't want anything to hinder my growth in him. When Philip said to Jesus, Show us the Father and it sufficeth us. He was honest in his statement. But Jesus could honestly say to him, But look at me, Philip. Look at what I've done, Philip. Where he says, I and my Father are one. The whole thing that we see is it's a relationship to where we allow the teachings to have its place in our lives. And if I am going to take a real heed in the things that God has given me, then I need to take real time to know the truth. There's no, no, there's no argument that I love spending or encouraging the church to read the Bible through annually. But how many times have we read something from the Word of God and we want to stop for a second? Now think about this for a moment. We read the Word of God and the moment that we read it, we don't want to read any further. We want to read that verse again. How many times has it been a verse? Has it been a scripture? A chapter? Maybe a book? And 
those things that are written therein are for our benefit. I thought about that for a moment. There have been times that I'll read something. In fact, what brought me to this sermon was the fact that I, I began to think, do I allow the time of the Word of God to penetrate my thinking? Every, every morning I like to get up and I write a devotion. And when I get up to write a devotion, while others may benefit from it, the devotion is really intended for me. One verse. One verse. And as I read that verse, I begin to think, is it really pertaining to me or is it going to help somebody else? No, wait a minute. I need it to pertain to me. I need to expose the sins in my life. I need to expose the weaknesses of myself. Uh, this past week, I had a lady look at me and she goes, I remember when you used to have dark hair. I hated that. I remembered it too. When my hair was a dark, rich brown, oh, I loved that. But guess what? Now it's turned white. At least it's not turned loose. And the reality is, is having all this hair on my head is for a reason. It shows me every time I look in the mirror, I'm getting older. And my sins are dogging me. Listen to me. The gray hairs are a warning that the sins are dogging us. Let this sink in. And so when I sit there and I said, Thy word have I hid in my heart. Why? That I might not sin against thee. I made this statement about Elisha. Elisha was being pursued after the army to destroy him or to at least take him captive. And when Elisha was in this one particular place, the servant got up the next morning, his servant, and looked around about him. And there... <laughs> if we saw the enemy, how many of us would be How many of us would be afraid? Not Elisha. And the next thing you know, here comes the servant... I've also thought about Peter, how that he could be changed amongst these guards and go into a deep sleep. So much so that an angel had to stir him. I think over and again we have not spent time with God. But Elisha was the man that he could turn around and say, Oh God, open his eyes. Uh, his eyes. Not the eyes of the enemy. The sermon is looking around and goes, huh, wow. Look at them all. Talk about eyes. Then, the, then Elisha said, Lord, smite them with blindness. 
that are the enemies. And the next thing you know, they're all blind, they cannot see. And Elisha goes up to the, the, the captain of the guard and he goes, What are you looking for? We're looking for Elisha. He's not here. But if you'll take me by the hand, I'll take you where he is. And the next thing you know, here comes Elisha. Because God brought him into your hands for a reason. And when they were all surrounded, then Elisha prayed, open up their eyes. And they saw that they were right in the middle of the enemy's camp. But they were protected. I want you to think about this for a moment. Many times we don't know the power of God because we've not spent time to be holy with Him. Let me give you an example. Let, turn, turn your Bibles and let's go to the book of Hebrews. And I want you to see chapter 10. This was a verse that perplexed me up until a few years ago. It literally perplexed me. And no matter how many times, I mean, I've asked some of our brethren to give me an answer on this verse. And not one brother, I'm serious now, come on, not one brother, we will not tackle this verse. Look at verse 26. For if we sin with that verse. This is an argument that was given so that we might be able to learn from the Jews, and it was written to the Jews with their understanding. When I began to read this, I thought, okay, I'm going to back and I want to read the entire story. Alright, so let's go back down to Hebrews chapter 10, but this time go to verse 23. Let us hold said, have you had your C-section yet? I mean, because I know that those kidney stones are a bother. And, it, you know, and, and he might <clears throat> but I'm any moment and saying, I've got to get some relief. But the love that I have for Brother Randy, for Sister Nancy, all this congregation is, should be a genuine real love. And the more Thank <laughs> you. 
what happens in our churches, we can tend to Now, what's the rest of it? For if we willfully sin, did you notice in verse 25 it says not forsaking, the word for is because. It's the same word as because. So let's put it in there. For not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching because, because, If we forsake the assembly of ourselves, knowing that that's the right thing to do, if we forsake the Lord's Supper after we know that's the right thing to do, if we forsake praying one for another and knowing it's the right thing to do, if we don't spend time with God knowing that's the right thing to do, have we not willfully sinned? Then let's read the rest of it. <clears throat> there remaineth no more sacrifice. That was the Jewish thing. Go back to Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. It says, I get sick and tired of your sacrifices. I'm tired of it. So you have said, I can't make it, but I'll just pay another lamb. That's the sacrifice. That's what the Jews were expecting. And God said, I'm not going to excuse your sins anymore because you're willful against me. Look at verse 25. But a certain fearful looking... Do you realize God is casting? How dare you? How dare you? You want time with me, or you say you want time with me, but you don't want time with me? How is that so? You robbed me of your tithes and offerings. You have robbed each other, but it was all and one of the things that he pointed out was how God when we when people come into the doors and they feel the dread Oh, I've got to do this again. No, you don't. We'll never say that, will we? But you realize that a body that is unified together is the most joyful body. Sister Weaver, struggling to come in these doors today. You would did my heart good to watch the men rally around her and lift her up. You, you can't put enough emphasis on that. I sat down beside Reva later and I put my arms around her. And I said, the only reason you did that was so that you'd get the attention of all the men. In a joking fashion, she goes, I don't need that kind of attention. But the truth of the matter is, 
She wants to be here. We used to say, come hell or high water, the Lord's willing if the creek don't rise. She wants to be in God's house because this is the place of the saints. Look what else it says. Instead, we find a fearful look and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. There was a situation that occurred up in New England and this was, this was before the breakout of the great revivals that occurred beginning with Jonathan Edwards and George Whitfield and others. You see, the Indians had felt like they'd been pushed away from their precious lands. And there were certain Indians that they had made up their mind that they were going to kill the white men and take back the land. And so they lit their they played their war drums and they would attack village upon village upon village. And they came to a little Baptist church. And they were getting ready to attack that church and there suddenly became a glow around that church building. Such was the power of the said, leave that building alone. And later on, the great one, the great spirit was there at that church. And we did not dare touch it. Wouldn't it be wonderful if when the enemy came and they were ready to destroy the people we have in this congregation? We could have 10, we could have 20, we could have great multitudes. But if God's not with us, we don't have anything. Notice again, because God will devour the end. That is something we can hold to. One of the things that I understand is this. Lord, I need to know you even more. Let's turn with me to Psalms chapter 46. Some of you already know this verse. In Psalms chapter 46, in verse 10. I mean, I'm going to read the entire psalm. I want you to get the whole context. In Psalms chapter 46, beginning verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very presence in, in present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. Therefore we will not fear. Will not we fear. I'm not going to be afraid even when the Lord comes. Though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah, there is a river that streams. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her and help her and right earth. That heathen rain, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. Excuse me. Come, behold the works of the Lord. What desolations he hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease upon the end of the earth. Oh my goodness, wouldn't we like to see the end of wars? And yet, what do we cry? It must be the sign of the times. No, it doesn't have to be. 
Lord, stop the fighting in Ukraine. Lord, help us to have faith that there would be no war come to America. He breaketh the bow. He cutteth the spear asunder. He burneth the chariots in fire. Notice this verse. Be still and know that I am God. I will be The God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. Verse 10 says it rightly so. Be still and know that I am God. The first time I heard that, that, that as a song was in England when the pastor stood up and he said, Would you join with me? Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know. We need that, don't we? There's a beautiful old song that we sing over and again, and I couldn't look at it, but it's verse four or song number four hundred thirteen. Take time to be holy. Speak off with thy Lord. time we thought about being holy with God. Take time. Take time. There's time. There's so much other stuff we got to do. I know that. I know there's so much that's got to be done, but I can take time to be holy. Oh, how much we need the Lord. And I pray that in everything that we do that there might be a holiness, there might be a righteousness, there might be one that says, Father, help me even in this day. I want Christ in my life, and I want holiness with him. Father, again, thank you for this blessed time we've had together. Now, Lord, I pray that you will lead us and bless and watch over us in all things, and may we rejoice in you. In Christ we pray. Amen. Brother Randy, would you come forward?